0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the WE Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Menares. I believe that we all need a space to speak our authentic truth, as well as a space to hear the truths of real and vulnerable people so that we can better understand that we are not alone. Hearing the experiences of others encourages us to step into the light in our own lives, It is through owning our stories and learning to speak our truth that we are able to grow and rise above the challenges we face and step into the full power of all we were created to be. You will hear many topics discussed in this space with people from all over the world. We hope that you feel welcomed into a community of growth and that this space will invite you to uncover the absolute greatness that is already inside of you. Oh, and don't forget, check out all the We Podcast episodes as well as the Spot blog over at thewespot.com. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey girl, it's me coming to tell you all about episode number 54 Connecting with Confidence. In this episode, I get to talk with Dr. Natalie Phillips. Dr. Phillips is passionate about building deep relationships and authentic connections to help make a difference in the world together. She is committed to assisting individuals and businesses to become more of who they are and live out their brand. She believes in creating environments in which people can connect on different levels to help their businesses succeed. She is the creator, founder, and CEO of Connected for Excellence, LLC, a company dedicated to guide individuals, entrepreneurs, and businesses to connect with their own mission and culture to connect with others at organized events, and to connect to their own voice with the bigger audience on social media, and to connect to be able to give back and create social impact. She's also the host of the podcast, Connecting a Better World. Dr. Phillips is also an audiologist with Advanced otolaryngology and Audiology in Fort Collins, Colorado. In addition to seeing patients and diagnosing and treating hearing loss, tinnitus, and balance disorders of the ear, being involved in research and on clinical advisory boards, she has volunteered her time to travel overseas to India, Peru, Ghana, and Mexico, as well as served in the United States as a global hearing ambassador to deliver the gift of hearing with the Starkey Hearing Foundation by fitting hearing aids on people who are unable to afford the technology. Natalie is an amazing force in this world and has knowledge in so many areas. She's also pure sunshine and inspiration to so many. I am personally so glad that I have connected with her. And just a little heads up, I just want to apologize ahead of time for a little bit of an echo that you'll hear as you're listening to the podcast. We gotta love technology, and for some reason, it just does not do What we wanted to do. (laughs) But I promise you, it does not distract from the interview and the amazingness that Dr. Phillips has to share with us. She is someone that I instantly connected with, and I cannot wait for you all to meet her. So here we go. Here is my interview with Dr. Natalie Phillips. Welcome to this episode of the We Podcast. I'm very excited to have Dr. Natalie Phillips here with me today. In person. This is so exciting. We get to sit across from each other and have a conversation. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I love it. So I like to start out a lot of times with just how we got connected and I think that it's super cool really uh, mm-hmm. how we met each other. So Do you want me to tell it or do you want to?
1: I don't know. You know what? You tell it because I feel like I tell it. So my way. So I'd like to hear how you tell it. Yeah. And then I'll add to it. Okay.
0: Sounds good. So I was on a Facebook show and you happened to be watching the show and you said, hey, wait a minute. I'm in Northern Colorado too. I was like, how amazing is that? So then we ended up just meeting up for coffee and I I personally felt like it was like an instant connection. Like I need to hang out with this girl. She's amazing. But love how it just happened to be that we were both on that or in that space on that day. Uh, Yeah. So I think it's a testimony to, to Facebook, social media and how it can truly connect people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly how it happened. And, you know, I want to add for me, I know the beginning of this year was something that I wanted to take more action and be a little bit more deliberate and intentional at making connections. And I remember we talked probably right before the end of the year, and then we scheduled the meetup in January. And the only reason why I remember this was because I went live right before I walked in the door to meet you. Oh, yeah. And it was my very first live because I did not do live a lot on Facebook. And I remember talking about, okay, guys, I'm I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do and take more action. And I'm about ready to walk in for my very first meeting of the year to take action. Mm. And I talked a little bit more about that. And it was you. So, Yay. yeah, you're my very first, like, <laughs> business-slash- Meetup slash networking meeting yeah. of the year. So that is awesome. That's super important to me. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I
0: love, hearing, I love hearing that. That's so cool. I didn't realize you weren't doing Facebook Live prior to that.
1: No, because here's my thing. I am super comfortable when I'm not seen. You know, mm. like podcasts for me, easy because I can just sit there. Well, I can't say it was easy because I remember learning a podcast the very first thing one of the producers said, was just flat out, you're not gonna like the way you sound, but just get over it. Mm. And I was Mm -hmm. like, ooh, harsh, okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And and it's true, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was totally okay getting over it because I had something to say, so I wanted to be out there. Mm -hmm. But um, when it came to putting myself out there and having people see what I look like, that was another step. And so Mm -hmm. I wasn't super comfortable but i knew this year i was going to push myself to to take that step.
0: Hmm, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Like getting used to your voice and then getting used I remember the first time i did facebook live, i i like watched my mouth and i'm like oh, i didn't know you could see my bottom
1: teeth when i talked. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: so weird.
1: Well, we're so critical of ourselves. Nobody else sees it, right. you know, but we're super hypercritical about ourselves mm-hmm. and It really does take you just taking that step, making that commitment, and then it gets easier. Oh, my gosh, how much easier Mm -hmm. it gets. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. because you seem, to me, you seem like a natural. I thought you had been doing them for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. See, this is why I love to talk about the behind the scenes. Because I think it's easy to assume, oh, she's a pro at this. She's been doing this forever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't see the process behind the scenes a lot of times.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, all right. So, I know that you, obviously, I introduced you. You're a doctor, and so in part of your life, because I know you have lots of awesomeness going on in your life, uh, you work as an audiologist correct. Yep. Yeah. And so how long have you been doing that?
1: Okay. So I'm actually pretty old. (laughs) Well, it sounds so old when you say how long have you been doing it and you have to say how many years. So I have been practicing audiology for close to probably over 20 years, Mm -hmm. which sounds like a lifetime. (laughs) It sounds like a lifetime. But it's been such a fun place to be and just growing within the field and our industry of audiology, everything changes. And I love working with patients. I love working with the new technology. It continues to improve. So it hasn't just been a solid you know linear type of job it's something that you constantly have to evolve you constantly have to keep up with what's going on in the world around you and stay relevant Mm. so it's been fun so yeah I can say 20 years but it's been kind of a fun ride yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's awesome you are not
0: old at all you don't uh, you know, at least you don't look old
1: well that's why we're on a podcast so you can't see me stop, stop. stop. <laughs> everyone
0: has to go back and look at your picture now <laughs> <laughs> look how beautiful and young oh. you look no uh but seriously you are beautiful but that's not what we're talking about thank you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, okay, so let's go back. Let's do a little bit of your backstory. And before we started recording, I was telling you I know a little bit about your story and it reminded me of the movie Love and Basketball. And you said you've never seen it.
1: I know, isn't that crazy? Okay, so my story is kinda crazy because I did grow up in Hawaii and went away to school to college I mean I was one of those people who I was like ready to to get off the island not in any bad way but I just knew I didn't I just wanted to go out to the world Mm -hmm. and so I went to school in Colorado I I came here at CU Boulder and um, during my school is where I actually met my husband so my husband is from South Dakota and he was Even though he's two years ahead of me, he ended up in school for the same amount of time that I was because he transferred and, you know, all of that Mm. stuff. But it was funny. So we're in the same classes, you know, and it ended up being where I met him on the basketball court, which Mm. is where I guess love and basketball comes in because I haven't (laughs) seen it. So now I'm going to have to go watch it. The story, the story of how I met my husband is pretty crazy because, you know, I did lots of things in college, but one of the things that I chose to do was work in the intramural department, so that way I could have a job in the evening, Mm -hmm. and I could go to school, I could do whatever work I had to get done, as far as homework, and then at night while i slash exercised and made money um we were both basketball referees we actually met when i was a scorekeeper and he was a referee and then i became a referee Mm. so we were referees in the intramural department uh, while we went to school and the way we met was i was i was actually playing on a team so i grew up playing sports i grew up playing volleyball and basketball and i was playing on a basketball team and he was my referee and actually i don't think I knew him before he was the referee. I can't remember the details, but I was playing, and I remember that somebody stole the ball from one of my teammates. So I was the one that that hustled back down the court to try to stop them from making the basket. And I went, and of course, I just hacked the heck out of that girl, because she wasn't going to make the basket. I'm just sorry. She's not going to make it. (laughs) And I looked up, because I was like, I'm going to get a foul. You know, whatever. And um, I looked up and it was my husband and I looked up and he said, no foul. And while the other girl was probably saying multiple, you know, swear words under her breath, I was like, nice. And I grabbed the ball and I headed down the court. And then, of course, I went and thanked him afterwards or whatever, you know, it was. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being, you know, we started to um, talk and then we started to work the same games and things like that. And so we just got to know each other that way. And I mean, the rest is sort of history. There's a lot of stuff in between, obviously, but Mm -hmm. that's basically where I remember meeting him was on the basketball court. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And now your kids both play basketball.
1: They do. They do. Yeah. So my son is on a great basketball team, a club team here. And my daughter just started playing basketball last year. She was a dancer for five years in competitive dance. And then we kind of. Switched her a little over to sports because she was now old enough to play for her school. So we mm-hmm. wanted her to try some sports mm-hmm. and she loved it. You know, she's still kind of um, I call her a skinny little thing because she is. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a twig. <laughs> so we're still trying to get her to be super aggressive in sports, which she has been. And she's learning and she learns fast. But she's now on a club team, too, for basketball here in, in Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Man, that's a hard... I feel like being aggressive in sports is can be a difficult thing to learn for mm-hmm. some people. I totally remember when my daughter was in uh, soccer when she first started sports and being like, go after the ball. What are you doing? She was... She's so nice. <laughs> 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 and she would like almost give the ball to somebody.
1: <laughs> I know. Well... My soccer experience as a soccer mom here in Northern Colorado <laughs> was, you know, because soccer is one of the earliest sports that your kids can play, mm-hmm. right? And so I had my daughter there and it was a three on three, you know, they can barely move their legs. The cones are up. You know, it's not even mm-hmm. like serious. People are picking flowers in yeah. the field and right. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember after one game, you know, I don't even know where this came from. It's probably the tiger mom and me. I did not know I was yelling so much at that probably preschool (laughs) three-year-old stage because we got in the car and my family was like, oh my gosh, mom, you need to be quiet at those games. I was like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And they said, Yeah, you yelled so much at that game. I was like, What? I did? Like I did not even know. Uh-huh. And then I felt so awful because then there are these little tiny kids and cones. <laughs> it's not even serious. But but I remember when my you know my daughter was playing and I was yelling at her, you know, I probably was saying the same stuff you were saying. Mm-hmm. And and I remember she at one point knocked over this this boy on the other team. And she stepped over him and like took the ball and, and dribbled it with her foot and like scored between the cones. And I probably screamed my head off. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was like, that's my girl. Yeah. And then you have to step back from that and think, okay, right. these kids are so tiny, <laughs> like you shouldn't be yelling. So I did literally have to sit there, hold on to my chair and make sure I did not yell at those games because (laughs) I it's awful you know what we expect of our kids so young yeah well
0: yeah I think it's a balance like it makes me think about how it's good that we're challenging that you need to be meek and mild and nice and you know totally forsake yourself all the time and how that that can be learned so awesomely in Mm -hmm. sports and also you know the balance between being a good sport and having good sportsmanship exactly. and and all of that, but it, it, I don't know though. Like being a mom, it's like something really seriously overtakes you. It's kind of like road rage, like you know, and you're you know, all of a sudden when you're in your car, you're like him become a different person. Right. But when you're on the sidelines, I feel like it's that same exact feeling.
1: (laughs) You know what? And I'm a yeller, okay? So I'm just going to own it. And even now, you know, my kid, my son's older and he plays. And yes, it's competitive. But sometimes, sometimes I think... How do these other moms just sit there and watch like, oh, my gosh, maybe I need to be more quiet, you know. But then, of course, I'm not the other parent either that will storm the court because the call was wrong either. Right. right? right. But I do have to make sure because your kids are watching all the time, Mm -hmm. I do have to make sure that I'm yelling more positive things versus, you know, sighing and Mm -hmm. being mad, you know, but but saying, hey, good job and yelling for the other kids too, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I have to consciously do. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm a yeller, but but I need to make sure that it is helpful, right? productive. Yes. (laughs) And it's not always the case. I'm just owning it now.
0: That's awesome. But I want to
1: say that hopefully it's more the majority of my yelling. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you <Yeah, I> understand. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, that's funny.
1: We totally got sidetracked off of basketball. Oh, which yeah, I could no, totally talk cool. about basketball. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the whole time. But yeah. So so that's where I met mm-hmm. my husband, was mm-hmm. we were both basketball referees. And then what was interesting, and this is part of my story. And mm-hmm. so what's interesting was after we graduated from college, he decided to go home. He had a great job. Uh, He went back to South Dakota, and he, at the time, was in athletic training. So his field was strength and conditioning, you know, athletic training. His major was in kinesiology. And it's similar to mine, you know, where I'm communication disorders, and I can either go speech pathology or audiology. So there's a choice. Mm -hmm. At the time, he chose athletic training. So he had a great position with a CBA basketball team in South Dakota, right after graduation and so but I wanted to go do my master's degree in audiology and so I went home to Hawaii he went back to South Dakota Mm -hmm. and we kind of had a long distance for about a semester and I basically was like, this is, like, too difficult. You need to move out to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So he did. He actually, you know, quit his his job when it was done. And then he moved out to Hawaii and waited for me. But, of course, I'm like, come out here but wait. Wait till I'm done <laughs> until I graduate because we're not getting married. I have a whole plan in my head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And so he hung out there for about in a year and a half while I finished my, my master's degree. And then I had to do a clinical fellowship year. So we got married and then I did my fellowship year out there in Hawaii Mm. with my contacts out there. And then it was time where he said, you know, I want to go back and work on my degree. And I said, sure. So we Mm. moved to Texas. And he did his master's degree in exercise physiology while I worked in Texas. And I set up newborn hearing screening programs all over the state of Texas Mm -hmm. and was part of that type of thing. It was a nonprofit organization, but we also helped write software that would screen babies and hopefully not get them lost to the follow-up process. So it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. But... I wanted to get back and see patients rather than, you know, work with hospitals and and computers and and everything. Mm -hmm. And so when he was done in Texas, I said, "Okay, we've got to get back where I can go work now with patients again. So at the time, we both had two opportunities, one for him, one for me. He had an opportunity to be an intern for the San Francisco 49ers. And I got a call from Southern California, UC Irvine Medical Center, and they said, we want you to come out and interview. Um, We want to kind of meet you and everything. So we went out to Orange County and we went through the interview and they basically said, "Okay, we have eight attendings and eight residents. And we don't have an audiologist like we're behind we need you like now mm-hmm. yesterday in fact you know mm-hmm. and so you know i talked to him and i said well we can take the time and you can go up to san francisco check it out and then we can and i can apply there you can apply down here but you sir i basically said no you don't understand like yesterday we needed you you know before you even came out here mm-hmm. so he at the time said it's fine let's just go to orange county so he kind of gave up that internship and um we moved to orange county right away and my career started to just take off because I was so busy working for all those people in that department. Mm-hmm. And he kind of struggled a little bit. He had he was an associate director at a YMCA. He was a football coach for a local high school. He ended up being a security guard for that high school during the day so he could make some extra money. And he just wasn't doing what he wanted to do, which was be a strength and conditioning coach at the time so mm-hmm. he switched now from athletic training to strength and conditioning mm-hmm. and he wasn't putting that to good use and but he was there he was there and he was supporting me and my career was taking off i was with some great doctors at the medical center and then had a great connection with one neurotologist where we ended up moving out to private practice and being you know doing some amazing things out there and finally after three years or so that we were there because we're usually anywhere from three to five years in, a, in one spot mm. about three years came around and finally my husband got an assistant strength and conditioning coach at uc irvine at the college mm. so sports but no football and um, he did great but a year after the san diego chargers called and said we have an internship for the summer if you want to come down here you know an hour plus you know, one way. and But there's no guarantee that you'll have a job. It's just a summer internship. Mm-hmm. And I said, you got to do it. And so he talked to UC Irvine. They said, we'll hold your job. Mm-hmm. And so you go do that in the summer. It's fine. And you can come back and we'll have your job. Mm-hmm. So we did that for the summer. He downsized. He's a big guy. He's like 6'2". I don't even know how it's 260 or something like that, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. He downsized to a little Ford Focus, and he drove <laughs> his little clown car. We used to call it a clown car, um, all the way down to San Diego and back. Every day in the summer, he'd come home and stay, you know, on the weekends. And, mm-hmm. and he did that. And at the end, the summer was done. He went back to his job at UC Irvine. Same thing happened the second summer. The Chargers called again and said, we loved you so much. Come back. You know, for the summer, no guarantee you're going to have a job. This time, UC Irvine said, yeah, if you go, you're done. We're like, we're not going to hold your job again. Mm-hmm. We can't, you know, mm-hmm. and it's understandable. So we talked about it. And I said, you've got to do it. I said, you, you just have to, you mm-hmm. know. So he did, and he went down there for about a week. And meanwhile, on my job front, we had moved into a private practice. You know, we we're doing lots of different things, um, things that people weren't doing in, you know, as I wasn't, you know, other audiologists weren't doing, but I got to do because I was with this particular, like, special and amazing and incredible doctor and so he went down for about a week and Oregon State called and said you know we heard about you we want you to fly you up for an interview this was to my husband and we want to see if you want an assistant strength and conditioning coach up here at Oregon State in Corvallis Mm -hmm. and so he did he flew up for the weekend and on the way back in security they called and said we want to offer you the job Mm -hmm. so he calls me and says, and this is where our life really started to begin, you know, with with everything, because, you know, he called me and said they want to offer me the job. And I said, well, I said, I knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. We got to go do it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, and they need me like in a week. And I go, OK, I go, OK, this is the life of a coach, you know, mm-hmm. of a coach in the college collegiate area. So I said, OK. I was like, let's go do it. And so you're going to have to go. I'm going to have to hire my replacement. I'm going to have to train my replacement. I'm going to have to sell our condo or our townhome. Mm-hmm. And I said, so you're going to have to go ahead. I'm going to have to stay behind because I can't just leave the doctor high and dry. Right. And so I cried for two days because mm. <laughs> I was in my dream job. Mm-hmm. I have sh- well, at the time that I thought. Yeah. And um, he went ahead. I had the greatest neighbor who helped me with everything. You know, she and her husband and she even drove with me from California up to Oregon Mm. and when we when we finally did the move and so he went ahead and like I said that's where our life started in this whole understanding like the coach's life or the coach's wife's Mm. life or the family and so we were there in Oregon State for about like I said one and a half to two years maybe even I was pregnant with my first son. I was going to ask. Yeah. When yeah. the Yeah. Okay. Came so in. he came home uh-huh. right, in California because by the time I got to Oregon, I was pregnant. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I drove up, you know, uh-huh. and I didn't have a job. And I remember moving to Corvallis. It's a beautiful, beautiful town, but it was much slower paced than Orange County. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there in our one bedroom apartment with the with the bed on the floor, watching the Food Channel. Being hungry all the time, (laughs) not feeling very good. I didn't have a job and I was just like in the pits. Mm. I was just like, I cannot stand this. You know, I stay at home all day. And and it was funny because my mom, who when we moved to Texas and I was kind of miserable because we left Hawaii Mm. to go to Texas, she said she told me this in Texas. And it was just so matter of fact. She's like, why don't you just get out and meet people? Like, get out of meet people. Like, make some friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's what you're supposed to do, I guess. You know? All concept, right. Yes. So our mm. friends, you know, and this is part of the story, too. Our friends along the way have been the perfect friends every step of the way. So, like, in Texas, it was just my husband and I. So we had these great groups, group of young married couples Mm -hmm. and that we, none of us had kids at the time. So there were like 10 of us, there were five, six couples, you know, 10 to 12 of us. And we would just drop everything and just go places together, meet for dinner, you know, whatever, go to Mm -hmm. each other's houses. Um, so it was perfect. When we went to California, we found the perfect friends around us, you know, that surrounded us Mm -hmm. there. Um, and then same thing when we moved to Oregon, you know, when I had my son there, it was the same thing. Now we were all surrounded by Friends that had their first baby. So we were all going through everything at the same time. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's something that we gravitated to. Um, I know I got better getting myself out there. But when I first moved to Oregon, I didn't. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was sitting in that apartment just like miserable. Mm-hmm. And of course, my mom said the same thing. <laughs> um, excuse me, didn't I tell you this last time? <laughs> Why don't you just go to a church, find somebody, you know, get in, get plugged in. And I was like, oh, right. So it ended up being, you know, where we had some great friends. And the people in Oregon, what I did was I did actually find a job. I marched in, which was crazy, but I'm so thankful for this practice. I marched into the practice and I said, so I'm, um, you know, four months pregnant, which means, and I was up front. And I said, so you, you kind of have me for probably, I don't know, four or five months. It's my mm-hmm. first baby, so I have no clue, you know. Mm-hmm. And I only want to work part-time because you're 45 minutes away from me. So, I mean, I don't really want to work every day and have to drive. Mm-hmm. And, and I know this sounds awful. Like, who walks into a job interview, right, saying all these things? Wow. Oh, and by the way, so my husband is a strength and conditioning coach. And sometimes, you know, you might only have me for anywhere between one to three years. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. this is all new to me. But this is what happened last time. And I just have a feeling I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. And yeah, so... <laughs> You want me as an audiologist? And this practice took me in. It was a family-run practice. Mm -hmm. And they took me in knowing all of that. They knew that I was going to be out four or five months after they hired me Mm -hmm. part-time. And I did tell them, you know, it's my first baby, so I don't know what the... You know a law is, but I'm thinking I just want to take you know maybe three months off. Mm-hmm. You know it's my first baby, like I don't necessarily want to come back right away. Mm-hmm. And they said that's that's totally fine. And so once I had my son, they I called close to three or four months, and I was like, you know what, I'm not ready to come back. I said, can I come back at six months? Mm-hmm. And they said, sure, we'll hold your job. And I said, well, okay, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So you know, come about six months, I I find a daycare to put my son in, and It meanwhile, on my husband's side, the football team was losing. Coaches were getting fired. Mm. The head coach, the head strength coach that hired my husband got fired and he moved up to Washington. And like we were all in an upheaval. Like we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if my husband was going to have a job. Mm -hmm. And so when I put my son back in, in daycare, I went back to work for about a month. And then what happened was... The coach that went up to Washington called my husband and he said, look, I'm doing some, you know, cleaning. You know, we're getting rid of some people. I want you up here at University of Washington, Um, but I need you in a month. And so here goes again. Mm -hmm. So I said, you at least it was driving distance, though. It was like three or four hours. Mm -hmm. So I said, OK, you're going to have to go ahead. I'm going to have to, you know, pack up, sell the house I have to tell my job now that I have to, like, I'm not coming back. Like mm-hmm. I worked for about a month. Um, my son was in daycare for about a month and then we moved, which was absolutely crazy. That, mm-hmm. Like I said, that office, it came at the right time. They were so understanding. I mean, they, they gave me a send off. They gave me baby clothes. Mm-hmm. They gave me, it was, mm-hmm. it was incredible. Yeah. Moved up to Washington uh, and, and, you know, started it all over again. Mm-hmm. I found a great job at a clinic that um, was a multi-specialty clinic there, a great colleague there. And that's when I started to, you know, learn about how to come into a new job situation and then really start to carve out how you want that job situation to work for you. Mm. It's not about, Mm -hmm. it's not about I'm walking into this job situation and you're going to pay me whatever you're going to pay me. I want this job situation to work for me. This is how many days a week I want to work. I know what kind of work I can do, so this is what I can bring into your practice. And this mm-hmm. is when I started to really put my negotiation skills to practice that I learned in California. Mm. And, and I didn't know how I was going to use it, but it worked out really well. The colleague that I had in Seattle, she and I worked out a great, great opportunity for both of us to grow in, in our practices. And my husband, you know, worked for the University of Washington. Well, about a year and a half went by, and they started to have a losing team. Hmm. so again football staff got wiped out Hmm. which was including my husband so now he was unemployed and we didn't know what we were going to do you know I was still working and now I was pregnant again so I thought okay so here's how it's going to work honey when I have this other baby it's going to be daddy daycare And Mm -hmm. you're going to have to collect unemployment because we can't afford to put the kids in daycare Mm -hmm. at their ages with one income. And he said, "That's fine." You know, he loved it, and he's such a good dad too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that lasted for a couple of months, and um, he didn't collect unemployment. That was kind of a process and an interesting process mm-hmm. and humbling process. But yeah. you have to do it, you right. know. Yeah. And and then Colorado State called and said, "You know, we want to fly you out here, and we want you to interview for this assistant job." We heard about you, so it's a lot of word of mouth that that mm-hmm. his job is is. Um, there's other coaches that talk, and they say, "Oh, there's this guy out here," and it's it, it's really an interesting environment to be in Mm -hmm. and so they brought us out i came and interviewed here and we loved it i just i wanted to get back to colorado if we were going to move from the west coast Mm. and and we ended up here about eight knock on wood eight Uh maybe nine years ago Uh which is incredible because like i said we only stay in one place anywhere from three to five years, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's been really neat. You know, I walked into where I'm at right now with the practice that I'm at. And, you know, I was up front again with the doctor. And I said, look, and I said, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I said, this is how it works Mm -hmm. in my life. And Mm -hmm. I said, I'm sorry, but this is how it is. Mm -hmm. So you might have me for three to five years. But while I'm here, I can help you build the practice. Whatever you want to do, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's where we started there. And what happened, how it evolved was... Instead of my husband had the opportunity to work with football again, and he actually turned it down, which I was surprised because the whole thing about being a strength coach was you wanted to kind of be in the football world. Mm. Well, when it was given to him as an opportunity here, he turned it down. And what happened the very next year was that the football team was having a losing season Everybody got wiped out. The football staff, including the guy that hired my husband, Mm. got wiped out. You know, gone. Mm -hmm. And But this time the way that they organized the athletic department was, hey, why don't we just keep football by itself and then we keep all the other sports by themselves. So Olympic sports will be one. Football will be another. So now football just comes in and out with their own staff if something happens. Mm. And then now we're going to need a head strength coach. For the Olympic sports. Mm-hmm. So my husband applied for the job. He got it and ended up. And that's why we are still here. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, because it's not as volatile. And he's got staff under him that is great. And he is a great leader. And it's been working. Mm-hmm. So that's thankfully, awesome. I'm, just, yeah. I'm just... I am didn't know if we were ever going to stay in one spot. Especially for the kids. Growing up, you always worry about that as a mm-hmm. mom. Um, but man, it is so fun. I mean, I remember... I think... My son's best friend right now, one of his best friends that he went to kindergarten with in first grade, I remember talking with the the mom of the best friend. And I said, and we were talking about like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they went to prom together? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I thought ahead and I just and it made me sad at the time when I talked to her because I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, she doesn't know. Like, we don't stay here very long, you know. And -hmm. now they're graduating eighth grade, you know, next month together. And now they're planning high school together, you know. And so I'm like, we're. I think we're going to make it. I hope we're going to make it. Four more years at least, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of exciting. I never thought we were going to be in one spot Mm -hmm. for that long for my kids to have their childhood friends with Mm -hmm. them, you know. So that's kind of cool. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, I think where I'm at as far as, I mean, that was our story of my husband and I and the whole audiology world. But Mm -hmm. some of the things that I've developed after that, I can see how some of the things that I learned moving from place to place and having to build my confidence and having mm-hmm. to, to speak like how I speak mm-hmm. to people, you know, and, and how to connect people right away. Yeah. I think that's what helped me um, develop some of my other, you know, businesses and some of the other things that I love to work on and love to be a part of right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I look back and, you know, if anybody can say you learn from your story, that is so true. You know, mm-hmm. I used to think, oh, it's bad because I'm not, I didn't stay in Hawaii and I didn't live there and grow up there and grow, you know, have my kids grow up there, have them near their grandparents, you know, at least one set. I don't have, you know, in five years after your marriage, you're going to have X amount of kids Mm. at these ages apart, you know. And I used to feel bad about that Mm. because I would be moving around like a military family, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But I almost think that if I didn't do it, there's no way I would have learned about, how to stand up for myself, mm. how to mm-hmm. negotiate, how to connect to people quickly because you have to get plugged in, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to make friends and you have to have those people around you. So I think mm-hmm. that everything was perfect for where I'm at today and and what made me. Mm-hmm. So I'm super thankful for my journey. I'm not, yeah. I don't look at it anymore as kind of something like, dang, I wish I kind of was that other person where they had that typical journey. I am different, you mm-hmm. know, but my sister would always say, you know, um, like, God doesn't give you things that he doesn't think that you can handle. Mm-hmm. And I used to think, so like, I'm going to get all the tough stuff, like, what? and you get to stay there and you get to just, you know, but at the same time, it's true, mm-hmm. you know, and she would tell me that she said, she would tell me that it's true. She says, some of the things that you went through, I would have never been able to do. Mm-hmm. She goes, but you can, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, I totally, totally believe that
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's what created who I am right now.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I think about you, I think connector is definitely a word that comes up so strongly. You are so great at connecting people. And I think the other word is encourager because you're so great with also being a huge encouragement for people. But I think I can totally relate to your story in that when I was younger, I was in Loveland from kindergarten to 12th grade and Mm -hmm. same people I mean we moved houses but I never moved schools and I was so shy and so afraid to go outside of my little group of what I knew Mm -hmm. and then when, when I met Nick and we had to move and Aubrey was in elementary school I felt so bad moving her and then we moved again. So I moved her in elementary school and then again in middle school. And then she made the choice to move schools in high school. But I I was like there was so much guilt around it. Okay. Like oh, I'm gonna screw her up and she's not gonna have this set of friends and but now I can see that she is so much better than I was at meeting new people mm-hmm. and talking to people and all of those things where I was terrified. (laughs) So I can definitely see the skills that it grows for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. uh, within, within, I I think like getting outside of the comfort zone.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. So I want you to talk a little bit, something you said, which I want to just zoom in on uh, is, Really going into a job and owning yourself, owning Mm -hmm. your skills, owning what you can bring to the table and what a difference that makes for the opportunities that you're given.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, and I teach some classes in audiology on negotiations because before I left, what happened was before I left California, i just had a feeling that i need to learn how to look at my salary and what i was getting paid in a different light Mm -hmm. because i felt like i was going to be moving a lot Mm. so what i did was i called up a local businessman he was an audiologist and i said all right let me take you out to dinner just talk me through this you know Mm -hmm. again in in our world in audiology we don't have business classes, you know, we don't know how to write a business plan right. necessarily. Now they do, now they're doing that, which is great. But even about salary, you kind of just took what you what was offered, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: um, I don't know why I did it, but I just, I was drawn to him and I wanted to learn some things before I left. And so he was amazing. We sat down and he showed me a spreadsheet and she, he showed me how to really justify what you're doing And the amount of money that is correlated to your time and and your expertise too, right? Mm -hmm. And so it made a lot of sense to see the numbers in front of me and what I could do. So yes, I was a little meek, you know, as I started doing this, but then I got stronger and stronger because I saw that it worked. So even the Mm. Oregon job, I, that was the first time I put numbers together And I pitched it to them that way, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and what I did was I basically said, when I was in the interview, I said, tell me what you need, you know, as an audiologist, how many patients are you seeing a day? Okay. How many hearing aids are you selling a day? Mm. Okay. So technically, if I give you, if I know how fast I work, I could technically walk in, calculate how much, you know, I would be bringing into your office. And then obviously this is your office. It's not my office. So how about if I just take a percentage of what I'm bringing in? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I would pitch it.
2: Mm.
1: And, um, and I got, it, it got easier and easier for me for many th- reasons. Number one, because my confidence was up because it worked. They mm-hmm. looked at it and you can't argue with numbers sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. Number two, now I started to have a path of... Oh, if you don't believe that that's how I got paid, why don't you just call my previous employer? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I started to have that path of even if they tried to check, they'd see that it was true. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't making these things up. Right. And um, then I guess the empowerment, too, is now teaching other audiologists to be able to do that. And so, in fact, this con- I had a conversation this morning before our podcast Mm -hmm. and it was following a class that I taught about negotiations. And it was a woman that I believe was older than me, but she wanted to know how I knew all of this and how did I work so fast? How did I figure it out? So we spent some time talking about different things and how important it was for her to know the value of what she was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just interesting because I explained to her, the reason why you do that is because you demand respect from the get-go. So even as I walked here in Colorado, you know, in in my Colorado job, and I walked here into the interview, I did the same thing. And yes, it was head-to-head with a physician who owned his practice. And he said, but that's not what the salary says in your national organization that's putting out these stats. And Mm -hmm. I said, hmm, that's great, but I don't work that way. Because I'm this type of audiologist and I know this is what I'm going to bring into your office. So the confidence, the words that I say now are a lot different because I've I've grown that confidence every time that I've had to do this over and over again. Mm -hmm. But it is so powerful because from that point on, my relationship with the owner, with the physician here has been incredible. He trusts me entirely. Like Mm -hmm. I am technically... Running my own practice within his practice. Mm -hmm. You know, I go over Mm -hmm. everything the statements, the billing, you know, the hiring, the firing, everything. So it is like my own practice. And I know a lot of people criticize me. In fact, I was criticized about not owning a practice Mm -hmm. and that it didn't make me special or it didn't make me know that I knew what I was doing. And I took it the wrong way. At first, I thought, okay, like I'm being attacked, right? Mm -hmm. And I get it. I get it, you know. But I have to step back and look at my story. And I know why I'd never had a practice was because I moved a lot. So I didn't want to have a practice to have to uproot and move and leave all my patients behind. Number one. Number two, this came later. But some of the things that I do outside of audiology, I would have never been able to build if I owned my own practice. And that came from a girlfriend that I hold dear to my heart because she is also an audiologist. And when I was going to go in and actually try to get a piece of this practice that I've built from scratch here, even though it was on the physician's dime.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, I was going to try to negotiate for this practice. And she stopped me short a few years ago, and she said, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm going to go get this practice. I built it from scratch. This is my practice. And she said, no, you you can't do it. And I said, why? And she said, because you don't see it yet. But you have something bigger to give to the world. And if you own an audiology practice, you are going to be grounded and you are never going to be able to step out to what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what it was. I mean, I still maybe not know necessarily. No, I'm closer, but I still might not know exactly what it is. But for some odd reason, she knew. And yeah, so she stopped me from actually going in to own this practice. And I'm so thankful because that was a pivotal point for me Mm. into really stepping into some of the other things that I'm doing.
0: Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's huge. Wow. So why do you think, because here's the thing, a lot of people don't feel like they have maybe the confidence or the skills to go in and say, this is what I bring to the table. I, I, you know, I think about it and I, I know the counseling world, um, better than audiology, obviously. And I know that like people, counselors have such a hard time saying, I charge a hundred dollars a session or I charge this amount. And there's so much like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll do sliding scale. I'll do it for 50. You know what I mean? And I can say that because I've done it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, in the past. (laughs) And I think it's so easy to, well, I don't know, part of it maybe sometimes is like bleeding heart. I want to help everybody. But there's such a huge element of not owning your value and not owning what you do bring to the table. And owning your value, I think, monetarily is is huge huge, huge. So absolutely. Why do you think it's so hard for people to do that?
1: (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question first. Okay. Okay. So if you were, I was trying to think about this while you were speaking, but also trying to listen too. but if you were given a pair of shoes, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you purchased a pair of shoes that were, that was $500, which one would you actually take care of better?
0: The $500. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So
1: there's value in it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you paid for it. And I've noticed that even in my practice, there are things that I've, I've done, you know, as far as I've given away services or batteries for free or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great. And it, yes, it brings people back to you because they like those things. Mm-hmm. But it comes, there comes a point where in our field, because I'm in the medical world with an ENT, or an ear, nose, and throat physician, I don't see him giving anything away for free. Now, I have to say our practice does sometimes because we do pro bono work Mm -mm. because we're a Christian practice and he follows along the lines of he strongly believes that he was given this practice for a reason Mm -hmm. and he wants to serve people. And I totally get it. So yes, it's not like we don't. Yeah. But I have noticed that a lot of the times that I gave my time away for free, it was either taken advantage of where I spent more time with the patient Mm -hmm. or they, you know, not in, I was going to say flippant, but they kind of just walked away and said, okay, great. I got all that information. Mm -hmm. You know what? It's information that I had to pay to go to school for. I had to pay my way through, you know, different things Mm -hmm. and I've learned about things and I've internalized it. And yes, now I'm passing it on to the patients, but it's still knowledge and it's still something that needs to be paid for Mm -hmm. you know if you look at any other provider any other medical provider they don't give away things for free oh you know what today even though for your well child check it's on us right like you don't hear that
0: (laughs) or like can i just pay you 20 dollars instead of 150 yes
1: exactly (laughs) you know and yes we get people who ask those types of things right Mm -hmm. and i get it because everybody's trying to look for a deal Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but we're in the medical profession you know and so I feel like I've changed some different ways that we do things at the office. And yes, we pay for even consults, which a lot of offices don't pay. But here's where I give you a break. If you decide to stay with us, I mean, because the consult is still my time Mm -hmm. and it's still my knowledge and you're walking away with knowing something different than when you walked in. Right. Right. So that's value. Mm -hmm. But if you decide to stay with us and you're going to either purchase devices or whatever it is, then you know what? That fee will go towards your purchase of that easy Mm -hmm. so I feel like sometimes even though you do make a fee you can always discount it if you feel like it you don't have to Mm -hmm. you can always make an exception I should say Mm -hmm. not discount it but you can always make an exception so I would rather have it in place and then make it the exception and I've done that Mm -hmm. a few times Mm -hmm. if I don't do all the testing if I don't you know if it's a pretty clear and cut you know appointment and I don't spend them on a time that I thought I was going to Mm -hmm. I might say you know what. I was done earlier than I thought and you know you already did some research or whatever it was then we'll just charge you half of it and they're mm-hmm. so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. But most people I have found are willing to come into your office and pay what you're asking. Mm-hmm. And it is hard and you know sometimes I laugh because sometimes I think it's not just I mean, we're all in the service field, being Mm -hmm. in the medical field or the counseling field. So sometimes we feel like we have a bleeding heart, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And I totally get that. But I also feel like it comes down to, and I don't know if it's a female thing. I don't know. But I have so many conversations about people having such a hard time asking for money. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay. And I'm still not the best at it. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I said, I did not grow up. And I did not take classes in sales, so. But I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying mm-hmm. to combat that. Yeah. But it just—it's just a hard thing to ask for money. I think when you're when you're in a service field. Hmm. But yeah. the only thing I can say is, it demands respect from the get-go, mm-hmm. right? And if you're clear, then there's no real wiggle room either. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I totally get how hard it is. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. I've, I've made a huge shift uh, now where I just have flat fee and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm not offering sliding scale or anything like that, which I used to. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I think it's a matter of where are you in your experience level mm-hmm. and how long have you been doing it and all of that. But It's definitely been a money mindset piece for me that I've had to get super well, I've had to do a lot of work around it, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Well, and here's the thing and this is this might sound awful, but the thing is, the people who value your work and your time, your education, your experience Mm -hmm. will pay you that. Yeah. The other people, you have to be okay to say goodbye and they will find somebody else if they need to, you know, Mm -hmm. but that Mm -hmm. makes you closer to understanding how much value you can bring to somebody.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. So what advice would you give our listeners when it comes to this? Like how do they start to step into that place of being able to pitch themselves, being able to be confident about what they bring to the table and, and really own that?
1: Well, if it's not already in your head as far as some of the qualities that make you either stand out from somebody else doing the same thing that you're doing or value, right, that you can bring to that person, I would say to start listing them, whether it's your advantages or disadvantages, whatever you want to make it, you know, two columns of what you do well, right? Because that's going to start being your selling points too. Mm. And, you know, I feel like starting to get in your head of what you do well and how you've changed someone's life or whatever it is, you know, start with your list of points of how you sell yourself. The next thing would be testimonials. I think testimonials Mm -hmm. go a a long way of how you've changed somebody's life, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: whether they're video, whether they're written, whatever it is, however you want to connect to that next client or that next person. I mean, all of that, as you do it, you're going to start to gain confidence because whether you're telling it to yourself by your list or you're hearing it from other people who you've already helped, you're going to start getting that confidence. Because sometimes I feel like we have blinders on. Like we don't see what we do for others. Mm-hmm. I can see what others do for me easily, right? And, and sometimes I have to go out of my way to tell them that because I think that they don't see that either. Because mm-hmm. I sure as heck know I don't see mm-hmm. what I do for other people. Totally. And so having those conversations where you're able to accept and receive what somebody's telling you that you're good at, Mm -hmm. that's huge Mm -hmm. that's huge so you're gonna have to start saying okay I see that about myself and let me capitalize on that Mm -hmm. and how do I capitalize on that how do I I monetize that or how do I get comfortable saying that I'm good at that Mm -hmm.
0: that's awesome thank you so okay now we've kind of gone through your audiology career and what brought you to that to this point with with that And I know you're adding things and you Mm -hmm. just kind of referenced it a little bit a couple of minutes ago, but help help us know what are some of the new things that are now coming into your life that not taking that audiology practice has opened you up to.
1: So this gets so interesting. I feel like we need episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I would say three, maybe four years ago, I stepped out and I became a global ambassador for a women's empowerment group that was global. And again, I just put myself out there. I did not know what to expect, but it sounded kind of cool, and I just wanted to place myself in that in that in that environment. So it was really interesting because there were like 25 women from around the world and we all got together and we would help this women's empowerment group kind of push the needle forward. Mm. And in that, I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about entrepreneurship. Again, I felt really out of place because I kept saying in my head, what am I doing here? I'm just an audiologist. Mm. And one event came around called the Billionaire Women's Club. And I was asked to attend as a global ambassador for our group. And I thought, "Mm, yeah, I don't want to go because – You just did a billion dollars. I mean, yeah, I'm not even – I don't even know what I'm doing here. But it was more like ask, like you need to be there, voluntold, Mm -hmm. but in a good way, not like you need to be there and represent. You just – we want you there. Mm -hmm. So I – this is the very first time that I invested that much in myself. The tickets were pretty high and, you know, the rooms, everything, you know, anything that was outside. See, because in audiology, when we go and we learn – manufacturers pay for you to be there so mm-hmm. it's you know except mm-hmm. except for our national organizations because they want you to learn about their product right yeah. and so I'm not I wasn't used to investing in my own self time and financially mm-hmm. to be a better person
2: mm-hmm. so
1: I ended up saying okay I'll come I'll do it so what happened was in that room there were a hundred women and some of them were you know like me that were just stepping out with an idea some of them were had the idea but they were trying to reach you know that $1 million mark. Some were past the $1 million and were taking people to the $10 million mark. I'm just like, I cannot even get my head surrounded around this. Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was a lookbook that went out before the event. And everybody, all 100 women were in there. Mm-hmm. And I was flipping through. I was like, oh, dear. Like, there I am. Oh, gosh. You know? Mm. And I was like, nobody's going to want to talk to me. This is really crazy. We're like, why do they put people like us in there? You know? Because we just have an idea. Mm. You know? And I was still in that head yeah, space, yeah. right? Yeah. And I got there. And the sessions were sitting around tables. And we had, like, 8 to 10 women. And there were times where we would stop the sessions. There were great speakers. And then you'd stop the session. And you'd turn into the table. And they had us do what we say, what we call a give and take. So you had to talk about what you wanted to work on and what you were thinking about. And then everyone around the table had to give you input of where to take the next step and to help you. And then we, mm-hmm. it went around. Mm-hmm. And so I remember on that first day, you know, still feeling super uncomfortable. Um, this is where I met one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So her name is Reggie Corona. And she sat across the table and she was telling us how um, she helps businesses grow and you know find their purpose and everything. And I kept looking at her going, I want to meet that lady. She could take me places, you know, but I didn't know how to do it. You know, of course I'm going back into like, I'm just going to sink into my little hole, you know, (laughs) and like, I'm a nobody. I'm just an audiologist. You know, I kept Mm -hmm. thinking that. Right. Mm -hmm. But as the, as it went on, it was interesting because I kept looking around the room and this was really fresh off of, and you and I talked about this, where I had a woman in my life that just liked, tore me down and told Mm -hmm. me I was not important. I was not special. I didn't own my own practice. So Mm -hmm. I was, you know, literally like no one. Right. So I was now in a room of 100 women that were actually supporting each other and helping each other grow. And I Mm -hmm. kept looking around like there were times when I sat there and there were like tears welling up Mm because I was like how I had my head around like women cannot work together before Mm -hmm. I came to this. And here I am in a room of 100 women And everybody wants nothing but success for the other person. And Mm. nobody's being catty. Like, I don't even understand this. And there was even a point where, you know, there were different projects that we worked on. But there was a point where there were mentors. These were the people that you could sign up to have a mentor spot with. And I thought, um, okay, I'm just going to hang back because I'm a global ambassador. You know, I'm helping this program. You know, everybody else that attended can go sign up for a mentor. Mm -hmm. And the executive director at the time came and talked to me. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, well, the tables are really busy for signups. I'll just wait, and I'll just meet with whoever. It doesn't matter. I'll learn from somebody. Mm -hmm. And she goes, no, who do you want to meet with? And I had looked at the lookbook, and I knew who I wanted to meet with. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I said, I don't know. She might be busy. And she goes, who do you want to meet with? Like, we're going to make this happen. I said, all right. And I said, well, I kind of wanted to meet with Holly Dowling. You know, she she looked interesting. You know, she works with different businesses, and she's a, a speaker. And I don't know where my life is going, but she just looked really interesting. She goes, Okay, I'm going to text her right now. We're going to make it happen. She comes back and she goes, Holly has to catch a flight, but she's going to come downstairs right now and meet you for about 10, 15 minutes. And Mm -hmm. I said, great. And she goes, don't worry about the sessions. Just get out there spend time with Holly. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So I did and I spent time with Holly and Holly and I became amazing friends. And I mean, she, she changed my world. But so I spent that time and I left. And I keep talking about that weekend because that was the first time that I met Lisa Copeland, that was the first time I met another woman, Sherry Matthews. I mean, we were all Mm -hmm. in the same room together. Mm -hmm. And these are all the women that no matter that I'm not part of this, you know, organization anymore, the friendships that developed while we were all together in that organization Mm -hmm. have been, you know, I want to say a lifetime because Mm -hmm. these women still help me from every day, pretty much, you know. Um, and that was the very first time that I that I decided to invest in myself. The next time was attending Holly's elite retreat. So she invited us to this elite retreat. It was another thing where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to spend the money mm-hmm. and invest in myself. I don't know anybody going. You know, there's only like eight women there. What are we gonna do? I kept mm-hmm. bothering Holly for an agenda, and she knew that was driving me crazy. And she goes. You're just going to show up. You know, I was like, oh my gosh. You know? So, so um, but it was the most amazing thing. And what I learned from that was, again, I invested in myself. So I've already done that, right? Mm-hmm. But the second thing that I learned was you just show up. You don't know why you're showing up, mm. but you just mm-hmm. show up. And amazing things happen if you are open to just showing up for yourself mm-hmm. and for supporting each other so like that was the next big huge lesson that I learned mm-hmm. um and I don't even know what your question was but oh, no. oh so I know yeah. so it was just talking about some of the other things so as I was you know thinking about different things then I thought you know I'm good at certain things but Maybe I don't think that I am. I don't know. So I was going through that whole wishy-washy thing of, mm-hmm. you know, I really love social media. I really love connecting to people. I really love being part part of events and connecting at events. And I'm really good with social media at events. Like, man, I fly off the handle. Like, my head is down the whole time, but I'm mm-hmm. tweeting away, yeah. you know? And um, I connect to people that way because yeah. I follow the speakers. I Tweet them out. You know, they connect to me later. And I've made so many incredible connections just on social media. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, no, anybody can do that. So, again, I was back in my head. That's
0: a little tidbit there, too, I think. And people wonder all the time how to connect. Mm -hmm. And I think... That's a perfect example. Yeah. And it was just
1: me being me. It was my way of taking notes, but also pushing yeah. out other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then again, I was back in my head, but I'm just an audiologist. Yeah. You know, I don't know how to teach this to anybody. And oh, you know what? My- if I can do it, anybody else can do it. So what makes me so special? Uh, see, I want to stop you. But I want to <laughs>
0: like zoom in on that. Maybe it's the counselor in me. I don't know. But mm-hmm. it's so interesting to me because, uh, you know, I know people look at you and they're like, oh, she's a doctor and she's an audiologist. And like the way other people perceive being an audiologist is obviously much different than the way you perceived mm-hmm. it. And how it doesn't, it's, it's just so interesting to me because it doesn't really matter how much education you have or um, your title, we all still have these, doubts within Mm -hmm.
1: herself. yep absolutely well that too and i i totally agree because i was stuck there you know and a part of it was well i paid all this money and this for this education i have to do this Mm -hmm. right so yes Mm -hmm. you believe that that's who you are that's only who you are and this is what you should be doing for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. right and how could it not be i mean that was my degree and so the The doubts kind of work for you and against you, too, right? Because you're like, okay, then I'm just going to stay in this, this place with my blinders on because mm-hmm. I'm just going to be an audiologist. Mm-hmm. So just an audiologist could be a negative thing, like, oh, I can't do it because I'm just an audiologist, mm-hmm. or it can, it can pigeonhole you, too, into, mm-hmm. you know, staying there as well. Right. And, you know, for me, you know, upon your point, I think that we all also have other things that we're really good at, and mm-hmm. it might not have anything to do with your degree, You know, and I've learned that. And it was a hard lesson because I still didn't believe it. I still didn't believe it no matter how, you know, how much people were telling me that I was good at. Mm. But I still had this person in my head for a year. I was stuck for a year telling me things but you're not you're not that person you're terrible you're Mm. not that you know you're not good you know who do you think you are you know that type of thing and I kept hearing that over and over and over Mm. again and finally um I don't even know what it was. I decided to just start listening to certain people and started to create a different business. And I didn't know how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I love to connect to people. I love to get together with people. I love to be at events. I love to do social media. And then I had another piece that I love to do was to give back. You know, I've gone on missions in different countries. And, you know, yes, I loved the hearing missions, but there's so many other ways to give back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, I want my kids... Learning that piece of it the give back so I'm maybe I can figure out how to do this with my business I had lots of different ideas of how we could incorporate different things So I started to play around with things I started to create and this was the first business that I created and it's called connect for excellence and it's still going but it sat there. You know, I, I started to play around with the website. I, I built my own, you know, and again, in this entrepreneurial world of sitting around watching people be successful with their ideas for three years, I finally decided to, well, tinker here mm-hmm. and there, right? Mm-hmm. So here sits my website. Here keeps my idea of my four platforms of how I'm going to connect people, you know, at events, using social, me- social media, maybe vision boarding, and then also giving back. And It just sat there and I was like, I was, again, too scared because I thought in my head and I wrote this great article about vampires, but I thought in my head the minute that I launched this, I'm going to have people saying, who the heck does she think she is? She's just an audiologist. She can't do that. What is she doing? You know, and so it sat and it, it would have been still sitting there today If my friend didn't interview me for her magazine, and this was another woman I met at that weekend, Mm -hmm. at that special weekend, Mm -hmm. and she calls me up and she says, you know, I run this magazine. It's called The Spark. It's for um, women 40 years and older. But, you know, I want you to talk about... um, hearing and how often you should test your hearing. I was like, ah, easy, fine. You know, so she interviewed me. And at the end of the interview, she said, now, what else are you working on? And I was like, "Mm, well, I kind of have this business, but I don't know when it's going to launch. And, you know, she goes, what's the name of it? And so I told her and she goes, "Okay," And she said, well, I said, but you don't have to put that in your article. I said, really, you don't, because I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. She said, "Okay, well, you just let me know if you want it to launch or, you know, if you want it in there or not. Um, This is going to be in the May issue. I said, all right, totally forgot, totally forgot. <laughs> and I remember it, it's again, ingrained in my head, Sunday night, about 10 something, 10 PM. I get a notification from Facebook and it says, Thea Wood just tagged you in a tag, you know, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh crap, is that? And I looked at the date. And I was like, it's May 14th. I go, oh my gosh. I go, that's the article. And I go, oh my gosh, she already posted it. And so I said, the minute people wake up the next morning, it's going to be sitting there. Uh So I clicked the link, I scanned down to the bottom real quick, and it said, and also, you know, Natalie Phillips developed whatever it said, Connect for Excellence. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So I,
0: That's quite the kick in the butt. Oh
1: my gosh, yeah. It was Sunday night, 10 o'clock. I jabbed my husband because I was sitting in bed while I read that. I was like, um, My website has to go live tomorrow because this article has already dropped. Everybody's going to wake up, click the link, and I got nothing. Mm -hmm. I go, oh, my gosh. You know, and this is literally the entrepreneurial story, right? Uh. And so I I stayed up till probably about 2 a.m. making sure my website was ready to go. It wasn't perfect. And again, Mm -hmm. same thing with this journey. This journey is not going to be perfect, but you just got to go, right? right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't perfect by no means, but I was okay with it. I got my Facebook Everything was sitting there. All my social media handles were sitting there. Facebook went up, Twitter went up, you know, everything went up. And then I populated it with a bunch of posts. So it looks like I was there for a while. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I, I mean, I laugh about it now, but the stress and the anxiety during that time, but I can't, I would never go back and want it any different because I tell you, if I didn't forget about that and it Mm -hmm. didn't come out I probably would be still sitting on my bottom, mm-hmm. not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we launched May 15th,
2: nice.
1: almost two years ago. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. So, yeah, it is ingrained in my head. Yeah. 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 So,
0: did you post the vampire article?
1: It is actually on my Connect for Excellence. Okay. Um, I started to write some blogs, and then my husband's like, okay, you're talking about the same thing over and over and over again because it was in my head. So, I stopped doing that. And, you know, we've done some other things. But, yes, the vampire article, was on is on my website connect for excellence under blogs and i that's probably my favorite one because um one of my favorite ones i only have a few up there but i was walking back from a meeting in longmont and i walked by this house and it was a white picket fence and it Mm -hmm. had a warning sign that said beware of vampires And I was like, that is so weird, but I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to use portrait because it's kind of funny. Uh I don't know what I'm going to use it for. I didn't write the article yet. And I was like, that's so weird, but that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. So I took a picture of it. And I remember not shortly after that, I was getting ready in the morning one day and all these thoughts, and this is when I do all my best thinking is like at six in the morning Mm -hmm. um, while it's quiet and I'm getting ready. And I literally had the points and my article written in my head Mm -hmm. and I... Flipped open my laptop. I sat on the bed. Took me about half an hour to write that article, and I thought, okay. I stepped back and I thought, oh my gosh, okay, this is either the dumbest thing ever, the silliest thing ever, or it's like freaking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I was like, I don't know. I said, I don't know. I don't do these types of things. So when my husband woke up, I had him read it, and I was like, I was like, literally like pacing because I wanted to know what he what he thought. Yeah and i was like oh you're going to tell me it's so it's awful it's awful you know and he goes this is really good and i was like really he goes yeah he goes this is really good and i go oh my gosh so he that he helps me in edits and everything yeah. like that oh, but wow. yeah so that's one of my most favorite ones i think it because it just hits home you know i saw that sign and uh-huh. the picture and yeah. then like i wrote it so quickly that You think that it might be your worst work, but actually I really, really like that article. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. no, I can't wait to read it. (laughs) Everybody's going to go look for it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the things I think that connected us when we first met is going through a, I don't know, um, I'm like going to watch my wording here. Uh, A negative, maybe even somewhat abusive relationship with a coach or a Mm -hmm. mentor in our lives. And and we definitely connected at that level. And gosh, how hard is it when you're trying to get out of that box that you've put yourself in or that other people have put yourself in and then have somebody who's supposed to be helping you Mm
1: -hmm.
0: tear you down and make you feel worse in the long run than you did when you started so I think that's why I am so passionate about people finding the right mentor and the right coach and the right counselor and the right group women's group and all of those things because I think it can put something can happen and then totally discourage people from ever working with somebody again or moving forward and it's just really sad to me Mm -hmm. so what you're describing with that weekend sounds like that was the perfect fit for you
1: yep yeah absolutely and the thing that I love to share the story is you know People look at people who look successful, right? Mm-hmm. And I say mm-hmm. I say, look successful, not are, but look, because you can make yourself look like anything you want to on social media. You mm-hmm. don't have to divulge different things about yourself if you don't want to, right? right? And so what I think is super important for people to hear is that everybody goes through something. And I love sharing it not because I'm a victim, but I also want people to see that the journey is not all about the positives in your life, right? Mm -hmm. And again, you and I talked about this, but it's things happen to you that are crappy, Mm -hmm. right? That are just the the negative things that can either take you down or you can rise from it because it's the way that you've learned to manage it. Yes, and to look back, it stunk that I was you know, quiet and in a hole is what I call it Mm -hmm. for a year because Mm -hmm. I kept hearing that person's voice. But I also want people, I talk about it because I want people to know that it's not all perfect, even mm-hmm. with the, what it looks like on social media or whatever you put yourself out to be, but that there are bumps in your journey, mm-hmm. and it's meant to be shared if you can help somebody else. Yeah, yeah. totally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things I love so much about you is you're so real, and you'll, <laughs> you'll just say it, and I love it. It's amazing, but it's true. I, I think it does need to be talked about, I think. Um yeah. In and, and people assume perfection yep. in other people rather than obviously, within their own self. They they want to be perfect.
1: (laughs) And that's the first thing I tell people because they're like, oh, you're so this, you're so that. It's because you see what you want to see, right? Right. And the first thing I say is, I mean, I listen to it. I'm smiling, you know. Mm. I'm not gushing, but Mm. I'm smiling because I'm like, oh, okay. Here's the truth, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and and it's true because I want them to know Mm. it's not perfect and it's fine. I mean, Mm. that's what makes you. So it's just your story. You just have to learn how to own it and and how to use it. Totally. Mm -hmm.
0: Love it. All right. Well, maybe we will have to do a part two at some point (laughs) because I feel like we have so much more to talk about. (laughs) But uh, I'm going to move into my questions. So what has been the most vital to your growth?
1: I think for me it's having the people around you that need to be there. And so I wanted to carefully say that because – I don't want to use the term surround yourself with great people, right? Or good people. Yes, I get that. You can. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: sometimes when you surround yourself with good people, all they tell you are things that you want to hear. Mm. So when I say the people that I have close by me, the people that I will go to for everything, right? Obviously, besides my husband, are the people that I can rely on to tell me the truth, whether it's good or bad. Because if i want to put my best self forward i have to have the people who are going to be truthful around me Mm. and help guide me so for me what's been vital is having those people around you and unfortunately you know i i I hate saying that sometimes too because i feel like some people are like well i don't have those people like how do i find those people Mm. right because i feel like i've been blessed and lucky and i don't even know how it happened But if I can maybe think real hard, it really was, when I sat down with these people, I really, really wanted to learn about them. Mm. And it wasn't all about me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, how is that person going to help me? Mm -hmm. It was more, I want to learn about you because you're super interesting Mm -hmm. and super brilliant. Mm -hmm. And... Like, I just want to put all my attention on you. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being kind of more of a relationship, like probably any relationship where it is a give and take. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: I think when you walk into making a connection with that type of intention and authenticity of it really isn't about me and how you're gonna help me or how you're gonna like highlight me Mm -hmm. but it is more about like really learning about that person because there are some special people out in the world Mm -hmm. and if you can just get to that special part of each person Mm -hmm. I think it is so worth it and that's why when I sit down with somebody I like the one-on-one because you get to those places. Right. It's not the whole, this is what I do for a job. And, right. you know, this is, I've got this many kids mm-hmm. and that type of thing. No, I want to hear what made you who you are, like your experiences. Mm-hmm. And like, I am just so in awe of people and their experiences and what they bring to this world. Yeah, so that's huge.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. So many people, I think, feel like, well, if I can acknowledge the special in you, that that means I'm not special or or whatever you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so I think you're talking about that huge huge shift that needs to occur in in order to be successful in order to grow in order to move forward Mm -hmm. I love that yeah and I bet that your mom had a little something to do with it
1: and in saying, get out there. Get out there and meet people. I know. My mom does not stay still. Like, I laughed when she said she was going to retire because I can't even get a hold of her. So, I mean, yes, she does move slower than I do, obviously, because, you know, my energy is is crazy. But um, I can't even get a hold of her. I'm like, where are you? You're retired. Come on. You know, you should be sitting at home. But she doesn't, you know, because she wants to live life. So Yeah, that's awesome. I love it.
0: All right, so uh, what do you want to make sure people know?
1: I think that, especially from my journey and my story, I think that people need to start taking more risks and putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. Whether they know or not why they're putting themselves out there, do it anyway because you never know what it's going to lead to. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, even in the last couple of weeks, I had an opportunity to attend this conference I didn't know why somebody called me up and said here I have a ticket for you you need to get yourself out here and I thought oh oh, I just got back I don't really want to go you know and a little bit of me like a little bit of me said you need to go you need to start listening to that and taking that risk and I put myself out there I hardly knew anybody but I came away with another amazing tribe and people that I just poured into Mm -hmm. and are just loving getting to learn from. And it, and it's funny. It's the same thing. When you go in that way and you just want to learn about other people, I think that's why I see like, oh my gosh, I can learn so much from that person and you don't ever see what you're doing for that, for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But they've been telling me what I'm doing. You know, and we've been talking about these conversations about having the blinders on of what you can do for others. And I think it's okay that you don't see it, you know, because you don't necessarily want to be arrogant about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, I'm always looking at the other person thinking, wow, you're so amazing. Mm-hmm. You're so amazing. So putting yourself in different situations that you may not know why, but if you have a little bit of an inkling like, yeah, you know, that little urge that says maybe I should try that or maybe I should do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Just
1: do it. Like yeah. take that risk and put yourself out there because you've heard in my story many times I didn't know why I was doing it, but it sounded kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And, and then I've left with such – Little moments in my life,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm, I love it. <laughs> so good. All right, so now I'm sure lots of people are gonna want to find you and connect with you. So, why don't you let everybody know how they can
1: do that? So, I am all over social media. <laughs> I have a lot of handle names and pages, so I'm trying to think what's the best one. So if you look on Facebook and you type in Dr. Natalie Phillips, Mm -hmm. that's going to be sort of my business page. Um, My personal page, which I'm now sort of being a little more open (laughs) to having people follow me there if they want to, because I do my live videos on my personal page right Mm -hmm. now. That's just Natalie Phillips. Mm -hmm. I'm on Instagram as Dr. Natalie Phillips. Mm Mm-hmm i'm on instagram as connect4 with the number four excellence i am on twitter as audio dr phillips so a-u-d-i-o-d-r and then phillips i'm also on twitter as connect4e so connect with the number four and the e i'm on linkedin (laughs) i also have a youtube channel so my YouTube channel is under Dr. Natalie Phillips. And on that channel are my Facebook Live videos, my podcasts, other videos that I've done. Um, yeah. So I have that's a YouTube amazing. channel that's up and running in categorized playlists. So you can just watch a, watch about social media. You can just watch about audiology. You can just watch about business or mm-hmm. just my thoughts. Sometimes I just get on there and talk yeah so, yeah
0: that's awesome yep all right and i'll make it a little easier for everyone and put all of those links in <laughs> in the show notes so thank you and you also have your own podcast
1: yes so my podcast is called connecting a better world and you can find it on your app of choice so a new episode goes out every other week on monday nights live from noco fm or the next day on tuesdays the podcast drops on your app of choice
0: okay Mm -hmm. very cool all right well thank you so much for being here with me today this was amazing and i just think you're fabulous so thank you for your heart and all of the nuggets of wisdom that you gave our listeners today
1: oh thanks for having me yeah
0: All right, my friends, what an awesome interview. We absolutely believe in the power of our stories and we are so very grateful to our guests who have the courage to speak their truth and share their heart experiences and light with all of us. If you want more of the Wee Podcast, make sure you head over to the WeSpot.com, where you can find all of our episodes as well as the We Spot blog. The WeSpot is your go-to spot for growth, connection, authenticity, and encouragement. You can also find us on social media. Head over to the we Spot Facebook and Instagram pages and get plugged in. You can also find me, Sarah Meneres, on my personal Facebook and Instagram pages as well. If you love the We Podcast, we would be thrilled for you to rate the podcast and write us a review. We want as many people as possible to be lifted up in growth and get connected with our community. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes dropping every single week. We can't wait to see you over on social media. Thank you for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.